You are listening to the weekly podcast of Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church in Millington, Tennessee. We pray you enjoy today's message. God is truly worthy to be praised. God is a good God. Somebody ought to say, without God. Without God. Where, where would you be? Without God. You ought to take a second and think about that. Without God. Where would you be? Would you look as good as you look right now without God? Would you feel as good as you feel right now without God? I, I don't care how bad you feel. It could be a whole lot worse. Would you feel like you feel without God? Would you have the hope that you have right now without God? You ought to give God some praise in this place on today. God is worthy of all of our praise. Don't you know God has been waiting on Sunday just like you've been waiting on Sunday? Some of us don't give him praise until Sunday. So God rolls out of bed early on a Sunday morning because he knows you're going to bring the praise up in this house. God is worthy. God is deserving. This morning, just, just, just real quick, want to take a look at, at Luke chapter 15. If you were here in, in Sunday school, we've already had, had some worship going on in this place. But we just want to look at verses 20 through 23. Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 23. If you have your Bibles or, or if you have your phones, I did text out a link and the, the scripture is right there at the touch of your fingers. You can click that link and you will find the scripture right there on your phone. Amen. If you can see the screen, it's on the screen. If you have your Sunday school book, it's in your Sunday school book. The word of God is everywhere. God, God wants us to benefit from his word. So this morning, Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 23. When you have it, stand to your feet for the reading of the word of God. Even if you don't have it. Just stand and honor God as we read his holy word. Luke chapter 15 verses 20 through 23. Verse 20 said, and he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no, no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Amen. 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 You may be seated. It, it says, and he rose and he went to his father. Does anybody know what it's like to wrong somebody? Do you know what it's like to hurt somebody's feelings? Can, can I get a little deeper? Do you know what it's like to make a promise and then go back on what you promised? Do you know what it's like to, to tell a lie to somebody you love? 
that's a mighty hard thing to have to admit that you hurt somebody. It's a hard thing to admit that you were wrong, that you went back on your promise, or that you told a bold-faced lie. It is hard to admit when we've done those things. But this morning we, we see this son, this son, he was full of himself. And because he was full of himself, he asked his father for what belonged to him. Now it was the father's to give to him. So the father could have refused, but the father is just like the God that we serve. None of us are deserving of anything that we ask God for. Whatever comes upon us, most of the time it comes upon us because of our choices. It comes upon us because of the things we do here on this earth. So any freeing from those things is truly a gift from God. None of us have the right to ask God to free us from anything. We, we ought to be bigger and bad enough to deal with whatever we put ourselves into. But this son, he had the nerve to ask his father, as he said, for his portion that belonged to him. And he went out and he lived the way that he wanted to live and he found himself in a situation where when his money ran out all of his friends ran out when his money ran out all of his influences ran out and when his money ran out he found himself having to join himself to someone to be able to feed him he found himself eating out of the same pot as the pigs. He found himself eating with the unclean animals of the field. So now this son, he, he's, as some of us would say, he's hit rock bottom. And it's in that hitting rock bottom that the scripture tells us that he comes to himself. You know, he, he, he finds a little common sense. He finally wakes up all of a sudden after he's hit rock bottom. Let me free somebody on today. I don't care how much you love your children. I don't care what you give to your children. At some point, your love is not going to be enough. At some point, your teachings will not be enough. You cannot safeguard your children from bad decision making. You, you didn't teach them to fight in the street, but at some point, they might get out there and throw hands in the street. You, you didn't teach them to cuss like a sailor, but when they start hanging around certain people, that's what they do. You didn't teach them to steal, but when the opportunity presents itself, they might go ahead and get the five-finger discount. You didn't raise them like that, but at some point, they do what they want to do. They, they do what the flesh tells them is okay to do. We don't know anything about these boys other than the fact that they had a father that was wealthy. Truth be told, we don't know anything about one another other than we all have a father that's pretty wealthy. We, we all have a father that's able to bless us with some great things. So you got to think about this son in terms of just like you and I on a daily basis. You know, we come to church on Sunday and sometimes we get filled. We come and we ask God for things. We say, Father, fill me up. And then we don't come back for another month or two. We, we get what belongs to us, what the Father has to give us, and then we go out and we disconnect ourselves from the Father, thinking that what he filled us up with will last us 
for a lifetime. Don't you know that at some point when the Father anoints us, when the Father blesses us, at some point that blessing is going to run out if you don't remain connected to the Father. See, that's, that's why I got my iPad still hooked up to this charger because if I unplug it, the iPad is going to have to handle itself based on what was already stored up. But because I'm using it, what's stored up is being depleted on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. The only way for it to, to maintain what's already stored up is for me to turn it off. Don't you know it's the same way with you? In order to not deplete what God has put into you, you got to be stagnant. That means you got to stay in your bed. You got to disconnect from people. And then when you do that, what good are you to the kingdom? So you got to remain connected to God. But this son, he got what was his and he went out. He separated himself from the father. We get an anointing. We get a blessing. And now we go out and we sell it to the highest bidder. We go out and we join ourselves to the things of the world and begin using what God has blessed us with and we disconnect ourselves from God. But some of us, we've gotten a little smarter. You know, we, we have these portable devices and we understand if I keep it connected to the portable device, then I can take it wherever I go. But the bad part about that is, is the portable device has to be charged up also. So at some point, if you're connected to the portable device, this device is going to run out. And when this device runs out, now your phone or your tablet has to operate on its storage. What are you saying, Pastor? Some of us, we disconnect from God and try to connect to friends and family that that's a source from God. But at some point, they become depleted. And when they become depleted, now you got to stand on your own bottom. Now you, you got to use what God has already put on the inside of you. At some point that trick won't work because now mama, her energy is low. Grandmama, her energy is low. The, the deacons, the ministers, they're low because they're dealing with stuff too. So now all of a sudden this trick that you comprise to, to keep from being connected to the source, now this trick no longer works. So now you're going to have to go back to your father anyway. That's what we find here in this story. This son, he had a plan. He, he thought that he could get all that his father had for him and go out and live the way he wanted to live. But he didn't realize that he was going to run out of money. He didn't realize that those friends were going to turn on him. He didn't realize that he was going to find himself down to his least common denominator. He didn't realize that that was going to happen to him. Understand. And God gives each and every one of us an anointing. But the question is, how are you using your anointing? The question is, are you still connected to the source of your anointing? At some point, if you break away from God, that anointing is going to run out. Somebody ought to say Easter is coming. Somebody will come on Easter and get filled up, and then they won't return until Mother's Day. And then they'll get a filling on Mother's Day, and they won't be back until Christmas time. Don't you know that the enemy is going to attack you between Mother's Day and Christmas? The enemy is going to attack you between Christmas and Easter. The enemy has a plan and a plot just for you. But you got to learn how to stay connected to the source 
of your anointing. Your anointing wasn't meant to last forever. But here's the good thing about God. We, we find out through this story that God is a responsive God. God will respond to his people. But the bad thing about it is the people have to bring something to God in order for God to respond. Some of us, we want God to come out and find us instead of us finding our way back to God. See, in verse 20, it, it, it tells us that the son arose and he went back to his father in the amplified version it says that he got up and he went back to his own father which means he could have went to somebody else's father he could have joined himself to somebody else within the village but he went back to his father you know how it is it's hard for us to go and apologize to the person that we wrong but it's real easy for me to send a message through somebody else if, if i hurt dr curry it's real easy for me to go and say bro curry you know I, I wronged your wife can you smooth things over for me instead of me going directly to her and apologizing for what i did wrong Sometimes we, we try to find our way around going and apologizing to the person that we hurt. But it says this son, he, he was sincere about his repentance. He was sincere about his wrongdoing. It said, and he arose and he went to his father. If you read the earlier verses, he had rehearsed this all in his head. He rehearsed it in his heart. And he did exactly what he rehearsed. He got up and he went to his father sometimes we got to be humble enough to go back to our father when we've messed up when we've stayed away too long we got to be willing to get up and admit to our father that we made a mistake we got to be willing to say i thought i knew it all but you got to be willing to admit that you didn't know anything at all some of us, we got to understand, ignorance is a beautiful thing. And some of us are so pretty right now, we can be supermodels. Ignorance is so beautiful, we think we know enough that we know it all, but we don't know enough to know that we don't know anything at all. So we find ourselves thinking that we have it all together. And based on what we, we've calculated in our minds, we go out and we live the way that we want to live. But we see that this father, this father is responsive. God is responsive just like this father. It says that when the son was a far way off, the father got up and he ran to his son which means that the father knew at some point his son would come back the father knew that what he gave his son wasn't enough to last him for a lifetime the father knew at some point he's gonna run out of money because he doesn't know how to handle what i've given him he doesn't have the teaching to be able to sustain what i put him out in the world with so at some point he's gonna come running back he might come running back for some more money. He might come running back for whatever reason, but life is going to get the best of him, and I just have to wait until he returns. But see, the father was more concerned about being righteous than he was about being right. Sometimes here on this earth, we're more concerned with being right than we are with being righteous. See, if this was written uh, 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 about an earthly father, if this was written just just 
thinking about what carnal fathers do, the father would have been sitting on the porch and waited until the son got up on the porch. And when the son asked for the forgiveness, the father would have started by saying, mm -hmm, I told you life was going to get the best of you. Sometimes we want to be right. We want to satisfy the flesh more than we want to make people free. That's the problem within our churches. That's the problem within our society. We, we want to show people that we were right about the situations they were going to find themselves in. You're going to need me before I need you. You're going to come running back when your money runs out. We want to be right instead of being righteous. See, when we're righteous, we got to admit, yeah, that was once me too. I thought I knew it all. I took what belonged to me and I went out and I rebelled against God. So since I rebelled, I'm going to welcome you back in the same way somebody welcomed me back in. But sometimes we're too focused on being right. But God is a responsive God. All God is worried about is bringing his children back into the fold. He's worried about forgiving those that are truly repentant, those that are truly seeking his forgiveness. And this son, he was truly seeking the forgiveness of his father. God will have mercy and God will move with compassion. All because God understands the trappings of this living. How does he understand? Because Jesus walked this earth himself. Jesus was tempted and tested himself, but he was able to, to, to put his foot on the neck of the enemy. He was able to put the enemy behind him and do exactly what his father called him to do. But he understands that we're not perfect people. So the father knows that, that we're going to fill up on Sunday morning. And we may not be back until May or June. And he has to fill us up again. But the father is not standing there with his arms folded and saying, No, nah, go back to where you came from. Don't come running to me now that you found yourself in a bad situation. The father is coming out to meet us. The Father is coming out to love on us, all because we've decided to make our way back to the Father. Understand this morning that your God is a responsive God, but you got to give him something to respond to. If you don't ask for forgiveness, God can't give it to you. If you don't apologize for your wrongdoing, God can't tell you that you are forgiven. You got to bring something to God in order for God to respond to it. Isn't that what happened in the story of the, the, the loaves and the fish? They had to bring what they had to God in order for God to multiply it. It doesn't matter how little you have. If you bring it to God, God is able to respond to it. So this son, he, he got to the point that he was at his lowest in life. All he wanted was better. And because he wanted better, he decided that it was better for him to go and live as the servants of his father. You know, sometimes that's how it is in life. We make up in our mind that it would be better to live this way than to live that way. Sometimes in life, all we want is better. But better for you is not better for me. Better is based on what God has blessed us with. Better is based on the situation that we find ourselves in. Some of us are eating saltine crackers and better would be Ritz, but others of us, we're already eating Ritz, so Ritz are not better for some of us. We, we need some oyster crackers for some of us. We need better than what we already have, but better 
is an individual thing. This son was eating out of the same pot as pigs. So for him, better would be anything other than eating where he was eating. But don't you know that the father desired for him to have better than better? The son just wanted a little better than what he was eating out of, but the father wanted him to have better than that. Don't you know your father wants you to have better than what you're asking for? See, all you're asking is for peace of mind, but the father wants you to have better than peace of mind. He wants you to have peace of mind and he wants you to have good health. He wants you to have good health and he wants you to have a little wealth to go with it. He wants you to have some love to go with it. So you're asking for the bare minimum all because you keep basing things on your human logic but don't you know that God's mercy defies logic what sense does it make for a God to accept of people that have strayed away time and time again. Like you said, Brother Kirby, we wake up and we promise, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll go to church every Sunday. But last time I checked, you only went one Sunday out of the four Sundays in a month. So you lied about your promise, but God is still blessing you. God is still protecting you. God is still pouring into you. But you lied about what you were going to do. That kind of mercy defies logic because people would say that God is only right for turning his back on you. God is only right for closing up the doors of the church and asking you for a permission slip in order to get in. If you don't have the right signatures, then you can't get in the house of God. God would be only right for requiring you to pay some sort of debt or some sort of penance in order for you to return to the house of God. That's what man was expecting. But God, his mercy defies logic. God is a God that is begging for the dope dealers to come back to church. He's begging for the wayward women of the night. He's begging for them to come back into the church. He's begging for the criminal to come back into church. But the church is saying, now if you're a criminal, once a criminal, always a criminal. Once no good, you always no good. Don't come to our church. Find you another church. All of us, we, we're perfect, Mahal. We, we, we've been doing the right thing since we were born. I knew I was going be a pastor from a little boy. I used to preach to my stuffed animals and that's a lie and the truth ain't in it. But sometimes we act as if we were on the right path all our lives. We've never hurt anybody. We've never disappointed anybody. We've always done the right things in school. We've always had a word of encouragement for everybody. I never talked about anyone behind their back. I never set up a trap for any of my friends and that's a lie and the truth ain't in it. So we got to understand that God would be right for his church to be empty because none of us are worthy to be in here, but God's mercy defies logic. God's provision, it, it, it's not rooted in our limited understanding. For some of us, but based on, you know, the, the, the way we praise God, God ought not give us that much. See, if all you do is pat your foot, God ought to give you a pat your foot blessing. For, for some of us, if you just sit there and bounce in your seat, God ought to give you a bounce in your seat blessing. But for those of us that run around the church, he ought to give you a run around the church blessing. For some of us that just, mm -hmm, he ought to give you a mm -hmm blessing. 
But God's mercy defies logic. God gives you the blessing that he has for you. It doesn't matter if all you do is pat your foot. God rejoices in the fact that you moved from sitting there with your arms folded to patting your foot. Don't you know it was once a time where you wouldn't even clap your hands because it was somebody sitting on your left and on your right and they didn't want you to, you didn't want them to know that you messed up. So you was just sitting there still with your eyes closed because you didn't want anybody to know that you messed up at some point in your life but now you got nerve to stand up and wave your hand you got nerve to shout hallelujah and when you start doing that God got a hallelujah blessing for you and not only does he have a hallelujah blessing for you but he got a blessing that's greater than that one God gotta spin around three times and jump up and shout blessing for you all because you decided to wave your hand you know how long God been trying to get you to wave your hand. You know how long God has been trying to get you to forgive that person that, that messed up a long time ago. You know how long God has been trying to get you to pick up the phone and just tell somebody I'm thinking about you. You know how long God has been trying to get you to invite your neighbor to church. You know how long God has been trying to get you to acknowledge him. And now that you have, God has a blessing with your name on it. But you got to understand that his mercy defies logic. If God gave you what you deserve, what kind of God would he be? This son came back and he said, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I just want to be your servant. But the father understood if I made my son a servant, then the rest of the servants going to talk about me. If he made his son a servant, what's going to happen when we mess up? If I'm already a servant and I mess up, he probably going to put me to death. If he made his son a servant, if he treats his son like a servant, what happens when a servant steps out of line? What happens when a servant turns his back on the father? What happens when the servant doesn't line up with the kingdom? then all of a sudden the father is justified in treating me the way that I believe that the father ought to treat me. But the father was more concerned about showing love than he was with being right. That's why God's mercy defies logic. God is not concerned with being right. God is concerned about being righteous. God wants us to be free. And he wants us to be free enough that we can go and welcome other people back in. That's why the word tells us, those of us that are spiritual, that we ought to restore one another in love. Notice it says, if you are spiritual, because some of us hadn't reached that point yet. Some of us are still like the older brother. Some of us are like the brother that's too busy watching other people. We're too busy keeping notes on how late somebody came to church. We're too busy keeping notes on what you put in your tithing envelope when I'm sitting next to you. I'm putting in more than her. I'm not going to keep putting in that. And they keep on praising her and keep on letting her do stuff, letting him do stuff stuff but I got more zeros than they got on their collection envelope we're too busy watching each other so God's mercy it, it defies human logic because human logic says I messed up and I deserve to come back in at this level God says but if you're my son you can't come back as that level if you're my daughter you can't come back at that level you come back 
with all rights and privileges restored to you as a son or a daughter. I, I, I don't bring you back and then treat you like a lonely servant. I don't bring you back and treat you like less than you are. In the church, we got to do the same thing. We can't welcome people back and then say, you know, it's going to be a couple of months before you get to vote again. We, we welcome them back. It's going to be a few months before we let you be over a program again, before we let you back in the choir or let you back on the deacon board. You can't just come back in and be a mother. You've been gone for too long. You can't just be a minister after you've been out there in the world wild and God says if they come back you got to restore them right back to where they belong you can't keep them lower than what God says they are but that's the problem we, we, we want to base things on human logic we want to base things on where we think people ought to be but we got to understand that God's mercy it defies logic and here it is sister Tasha you were all in the message in, in, in Sunday school this morning the problem that we have in our society is we keep thinking that the celebration is for us we, we keep thinking that God is celebrating our wrongdoing you got to understand that the celebration is about you but it's not for you it's about the fact that you decided to come back but it's not to celebrate the fact that you went out and you did wrong in the first place and then you remembered who you were you remember who you came from and now all of a sudden you decided to come back the celebration is not for you but it's about you. I have to tell my students that all the time. I don't work for you. I, I, I work to help you, but I don't work for you. You can't tell me what to do. You can't command me to go here, there, and the other way, but, but I'm working to help you. I'm not working for you. Understand that the celebration is not for you, but the celebration is about you. It's about the fact that you remembered your teaching. It's about the fact that you were trained up, and you remembered the way that you were trained up. So now the Father is celebrating the fact that you've come back home but he's not celebrating that you are out there living wild and carefree he's not celebrating the fact that you took what he gave you and you went out and you squandered it on worldly living he's not celebrating that he's celebrating the fact that satan no longer has you he's celebrating the fact that you can come back in and you can show others that it's possible to get out of the bondage that satan has for you it's about you but it's not for you. You got to understand the difference. God is re rejoicing about your safe return. He's rejoicing about the restoration of the son. He's not rejoicing saying, look, my son was out there in the world. He was doing this. He was doing that. He's not celebrating your wrongdoing, but he's celebrating the fact that at some point, what I taught him kicked in. At some point, he developed a conscience. At some point, he, he, that, that good home training it came up and the boy came back to where he belonged. At some point, my prayer was answered because the father, he was looking for the son. He knew that the son was coming back. That's why he saw him when he was yet afar off. He was celebrating that my son is not dead. He's celebrating that my son is alive and well. My son is no longer dead and sin. My son is righteous now. He's free to live according to the way that I taught him. And because of that, it says that the father, he not only forgave him, but the father restored him. Not only did he forgive him, 
but the father celebrated him. Not only did he forgive him, but the father adorned him in a nice robe. The father put a ring on his finger to seal the fact that he was back in the family. Don't you know God wants to do more than forgive you? Not only does God want to forgive you, but God wants to restore you. Not only does God want to forgive you, but God wants to drape you in some nice stuff. Not only does God want to forgive you, but God wants to provide for you in a way that you've never been provided for in your life. God not only wants to forgive you, but God wants to celebrate about your return. God wants to celebrate about your salvation. God wants to celebrate about your repentance. That's why the father said, kill the fatted calf. Let's have a celebration all because my son came back. But we got to understand, it's not about us. It's not for us, but it is about us. It's about the fact that we reunited ourselves with the teaching of the Father. We reunited ourselves with the love of the Father. But it's not for us. It's, it's not because we're the most chosen one. It's because the Father wants to reveal his love. The Father wants to reveal how much he is concerned about each and every one of us. So here's the challenge, my son. You got to forgive somebody the way that the father forgave his son. You, you can't forgive them and then bring it up every chance you get. You, you can't forgive them and tell them, but you know you never paid me back when you told me you were going to pay me back. You, you, you know, I forgive you, but I still can't let you ride in my car. I remember what you did to me. You can't forgive them and then keep bringing up that old stuff. You got to forgive them. You got to move past that old stuff and you got to give them some new love. You got to give them some new compassion. You got to exercise what the father exercised. You got to be grateful that the relationship is realigned. You got to be grateful that the person has been restored. We can't forgive like man would forgive because man would say, I forgive, but I don't forget. You did me wrong, and I ain't going to never get over that. Well, if you can't get over it, did you really forgive him? Did you, did, you, did you really give him what the father gave his son? Because the father, he, he gave the son, I'm assuming, everything that the son used to have when the son was in the house. He probably gave him his robe right back. That was probably the robe that he had been wearing all along. He went and told him he needs a robe on. My sons wear robes. My sons don't wear rags. My sons don't dress like a servant. I need him to have on a robe. My, my children, they have rings. My servants don't have rings, but my children, they have rings. So the challenge is, can you forgive the same way the father forgave the son? But then you got to go out and you got to do something that's beyond human logic. Something that shows that you're able to exercise spiritual wisdom. You got to love somebody the way that God loved you. Don't you know you're still not right as you think you are? You, you're not as good as you think you are. You, you're not as upright as you want to be. But God is still loving on you. God is still blessing you. So now that you, you've got your anointing, now that you've got your feeling, don't disconnect from God. Don't, don't go out there and run around and live and do what you're anointing, what you want to do, and then come back to God expecting him to fill you up all over again. 
Because the, the, the catchy part is at some point you might get caught out there in the world. You might not be able to make it back to your father's house. So you ought to stay connected to the father. But the good thing is if you're able to make it back, the father is able to restore you. The father is able to have compassion on you and restore you back to the son or the daughter that he has called you to be. But you got to understand, just like the son, sometimes we want better, but the father wants better than better. The son, he just wanted to sleep better. He just wanted to eat better. He wanted to be treated better. But the father desired for him to eat better than better. He decided for him to sleep better than better, be able to be treated better than better. Some of us, our better is the baseline, but the father wants our better to be in abundance. That's what you ought to rejoice about. The fact that you have a better in your mind, but the better that you can fathom in your mind doesn't compare to the better that your father wants for you. The better that your father has for you. So you ought to rejoice in the fact on today that your father wants you to have better than better. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.